Let's give them another big hand. This wonderful family. Amen. You can remain standing. We're going to go into the word of the Lord and read a few verses of scripture. We are so delighted to have those that came today for the baby dedication of baby Elijah James. God bless this wonderful family. All of you, we're thankful to have you here in First Apostolic Church. We're so glad. Also, we have a wonderful uh, thing to do after the preaching today. We're going to baptize Sister Mary Addison. Sister Mary, just wave your hand there so everybody knows and sees you. Amen. 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 And Sister Mary, Sister Mary is a beloved part of First Apostolic Church. And uh, we have with us today some very special friends from our Bible study in the Fairfield area. And we love them so very much. And Jill and Tony and Beth and Angie and Dawn and Irma. Amen. We're just so glad that they are here. And we're glad everybody's here because this is the day the Lord has made. Even if we did have to spring forward this morning, this is still the day that the Lord has made. And we are honored that you are here and we are honored that the Lord is in his temple. Amen. I'm going to turn your attention, if you will, to the uh, book of Jonah. And I want to read a few verses of scripture from one of the very... uh, well-known stories, if you please, of the, of the Word of God. The book of Jonah, and we're going to read beginning at the first chapter, and we're going to read the last verse of the first chapter, and then we're going to enter into the second chapter and catch some very meaningful parts of this account that I believe will help us today. I think the Lord wants to speak to somebody's heart this morning. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. I think that's important to see and to notice. That the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I. And thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep. In the midst of the seas. And the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves have passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again. Toward the holy temple, the waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. That's an Old Testament way of saying Jesus. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And by the grace of God and by the help of the Holy Ghost, I would like to preach this morning on this subject. When there's a whale in God's will. When there's a whale... In God's will. Amen. Let's go to the Lord together, shall we? Heavenly Father, you are so good to us to bring us together to worship you. Your peace passes all understanding. Your joy comes to us even in the midst of our sorrow. I pray today that your word would have free course in this place. I pray, God, that you would give me the tongue that is as a pen of a ready writer that I may preach your word as you have ordered it 
We give you honor today and we praise your name for this. We ask for your anointing in the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you again for being here. Anytime that the Old Testament uses the term, if you please, three days and three nights, it catches my attention. The reason that it, it catches my attention is because I know that the Old Testament speaks concerning the things of the New Testament, speaks concerning the things of Jesus Christ. And so when the Bible would refer to something in the context of days and nights and bring up that number of three days and three nights, it, it makes me to think that there is somewhere and somehow a correlation between that particular incident and the three days and the three nights that Jesus spent in the heart of the earth. Now this is not just some kind of a fanciful uh, thought because Jesus actually confirmed that this was the case. He said that when responding to a question of, of is there a sign that you could give us uh, that would somehow satisfy our faith and would help us to, help us to believe better. See, we're always looking for a sign. Jesus stopped the questioner and said, you know, he said, it's actually a wicked and an adulterous generation that seeketh after a sign. And no sign shall be given to that generation other than the sign of the prophet Jonah, who just as he was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, that's what Jesus said, in the belly of a whale, so shall the Son of Man be Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so Jesus, a lot of things happened there. I want you to remember as we proceed with this message today that Jesus said the prophet Jonah. Because this story is an amazing story in the word of God. Because of the fact that Jonah was in fact a prophet of God. He was a prophet who heard the voice of God, who could discern the voice of God. He knew when God was speaking to him. And he heard God say, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, a city of wickedness, and declare unto them that their wickedness has come up before me, and I will judge them, every one of them. And I will pour out my wrath upon the city of Nineveh. Now Jonah heard God say that. This wasn't just some impression that came and went. He heard the Lord of hosts say, Arise, go to the city of Nineveh and preach to that city, that great city, preach against their wickedness. And so Jonah did what any reasonable person would do. He said, you've got to be kidding me. That's the last place in the world I'm going. He blatantly disobeyed the Lord. He made a clear decision. Oh, he heard God. Oh, he heard him. He received direction from the Lord, but he leaned upon his own understanding. I might remind somebody today that the scripture teaches us to trust in the Lord. With all our hearts and to lean not to our own understanding. But in all of our ways we are to acknowledge him. And if you do that, he shall direct your paths. Jonah decided to lean on his own understanding. And he got into a ship that was on its way to Tarshish. And he paid the fare to go to Tarshish. Instead of Nineveh, where the Lord had told him to go. He's on this boat sailing to Tarshish, disobedient, rebellious, resistant to the will of God, completely denying the call of God in his life. You know, that's a scary place to be. 
My grandfather, who was also a preacher of the gospel and a great man of God, a great pastor and leader of other pastors, he, he at, at, at 21, 19 years of age, actually was called of God to preach, but he was running from the call. And, and he came down with a terrible sickness of tuberculosis, which in the late 1930s was killing people. And when he, when he came down with this horrible uh, epidemic of tuberculosis, his father, another great preacher of the gospel, walked into the hospital room and said, Well, are you finished running, Jonah? And that was kind of the catalyst that, that made him turn his eyes toward the Lord and begin to fulfill the call of God in his life. It's a scary place to be in disobedience to the Lord. It's a, it's, a, it's a frightening thing to, to choose to disobey what the Lord has said to do. It's not a good place to be, and, and, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Jonah was on the ship to Tarshish, and the Bible says that there was a great storm that developed upon the sea. Now, we learned that this storm came from God. God was not happy with Jonah. God was ready to judge Jonah. Now we many times think by the way this story turns out that, that God had this masterful idea that Jonah would disobey. He would take him on the water to cause a storm and then have Jonah thrown overboard. And God can work through anything, but make no mistake about it. Had Jonah not prayed the prayers he prayed, Jonah wouldn't have ended his story the way we see that it ends. It would have ended in the bottom of an ocean. It would have ended in the belly of a whale. It would have ended with utter and complete judgment from God. And so Jonah is asleep. This guy's audacious. He's not got a care in the world. He's just disobeyed God, rebelled against God, defied God, denied God, ran from God. And when the ship is on its way to Tarshish and the storm is raging. Folks, if there's a storm raging, and I know I've got some disobedience, rebellion, resistance to God in my spirit, I'm not going to be sleeping in the bottom of the boat. I'm going to be pleading the blood, calling on God to forgive me, asking for forgiveness, begging for mercy. Moses was not even a little, or Jonah rather, was not even a little bit concerned as he lay in the bottom of that boat asleep. Finally, somebody walks up to him and says, Oh, sleeper! That's what they called him. Oh, sleeper. How in the world can you sleep at a time like this? And they started to cast lots. They said, we think that somebody has angered God. And all eyes just kind of fell on Jonah. That's what we think. We think somebody here has made God so mad that he has stirred up these waters. We think somebody's made God so mad that he's causing lightning and thunder to roll. And all eyes just kind of rested on Jonah. Jonah's like, what are you guys looking at me for? All right, fine, it's me. God told me to go to Nineveh, and I didn't go to Nineveh. I went to Tarshish. But he said, I decided that, that I'm not going to follow God's plan for my life, and I'm not going to live the way God wants me to live. And this is my life, and I live it the way I want to live it, and that's too big of a request of God and a commandment of God to have me go to Nineveh. So I've decided to go to Tarshish, and I feel like you guys would understand. I just think you're reasonable people and that you could understand me as I plead my case that I think we can get through this if we just all put our heads together and sort this out. They said, yeah, you're going to have to go overboard. <laughs> and the moment they threw him overboard and he landed in the water, the storm stopped. It was God sent the storm to get Jonah out of the boat that was leading him in a direction that was contrary to God. Now, I want to I I talk with you for just a moment about the fact that God does, in fact, judge us for our sins. And God does, in fact, bring to us an execution of his judgment. Now, there are many places in the scriptures where that the Lord was going to act in a certain way, but because of his mercy, and because of obedience to his word, his judgment was stayed in a person's life. One of those places is found in the account of Moses. 
Moses was getting ready to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. God had called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. This was a momentous time in his life because he was getting ready to do the work of God. He was going to walk into Pharaoh's court and tell them, let my people go. God had just given him all the instructions. And Moses was preparing the way of the Lord to go forth and, and tell Pharaoh to let God's firstborn Israel go. But there was one glaring problem in Moses' own life. Everything that he was calling on Israel to do, which was to return to the Lord, including even the act of circumcision. His own child had not yet been circumcised. And the Bible says that while Moses went his way, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. The Lord was getting ready to exact judgment upon Moses. And had it not been for Zipporah, his wife, who went through with the circumcision of the son, the mercy of God came into effect and Moses' life was spared. It was because of Zipporah, his wife, that Moses did not die in that instance. I want to, I want to just interject here. In this day and age where people believe that you can come and go with God however you want to go and that you can live any way you want to live, and that you can think any way you want to think. And you can treat people any way you want to treat people. And you can act any way you want to act. And you can, and you can disobey whenever you want to disobey the Lord. And, and you got to understand, don't mistake God's mercy for God's weakness. God does, in fact, show mercy. But the scripture says God will not always chide with man. Neither will he keep his anger forever. In the case of Jonah, Jonah had disobeyed God. Jonah was out on the waters on the way to Tarshish. Jonah was cast overboard when a storm began to rage. Jonah sank to the bottom of the waters. The Lord prepared a great fish. The devil didn't prepare a great fish. The Lord prepared a great fish. Satan didn't attack Jonah. The Lord prepared a great fish. Important for us to understand that the Lord was looking at Jonah's life and saying, you have disobeyed me one too many times. You have rebelled against me one too many times. You've become a problem, Jonah. You're going your own way and you're going to hurt a lot of people in the process. There are people who need salvation. There are people who need to hear the message. There are people who need a word of prophecy. And I can't get you to listen to me. So the judgment of God is coming upon Jonah. There are a lot of people even right now that are experiencing the judgment of God in your life. You don't even know that it's a judgment of God. You think things have just taken a turn for the worse. You think things have gone awry. You think things have become problematic for you. Many times we blame stuff on the devil the devil didn't have anything to do with. I don't even see the devil in Jonah's story. You see the devil in Moses' story. You see the devil in Job's story. You see the devil in Daniel's story. You see the devil in all kinds of stories. But the devil doesn't even get an appearance in the book of Jonah. This is Jonah and God. Jonah disobeyed. And God was exacting judgment. No, I called you. You heard my voice. You know me. We've got a connection. We understand one another. You know what the anointing of God is in your life. And you're going to run from me. And you're going to leave me and leave me behind. And it's not going to sit well with God you have to remember that God still does know what is best you have to remember that God is not mocked and whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap now I know we're in the Old Testament but let's go to the New Testament and hear what the word of the Lord says about, about the matter of, of God in the New Testament this is what the word of the Lord says in the New Testament it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's what it says in the New Testament. Let me tell you what it says in the New Testament. It says that if the righteous scarcely be saved, where then shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? 
I have to preach to you today about the anger of God. And if I am honest about the anger of God, I will preach two things. Number one, he is slow to anger. That's the mercy of the Lord. He is slow to anger. You're going you're gonna to find that out about God. You've already found that out about God. If God wanted to, he could have already struck all of us by lightning. If God wanted to, he could have already opened up the earth. We've committed so many sins. We've done so many things wrong. We've been so manipulative. We've been so deceptive. We've been so sinful. We've been so ungodly. We've been so unrighteous. It's just the mercy of God. We're even here today. There's nobody in this place that deserves to be here. The preacher included. All of us have sinned. And all of us come short of the glory of God. So if I preach to you honestly about the anger of the Lord, I have to tell you, he is slow to anger. But if I'm going to be honest about it, I need to tell you this also. This is what the word of the Lord says about the anger of God. His anger is fierce. His fierce. Oh, he's slow to it. But when it comes... It comes with a fierceness. It comes with a ferocity. And, and, and people can only mock him so long. And people can only, can only uh, scoff at him for so long. And this is why preachers stand up in pulpits and say to the United States of America, turn to the Lord. Repent from backslidings and turn your face unto the Lord your God because there is judgment coming to this world and there is judgment coming to all who would practice unrighteousness. This is a truth. This is a reality. And God told Jonah, I want you to go tell Nineveh that I'm going to destroy all of Nineveh. And Jonah ran from the call of God. Now, do you know why Jonah didn't want to go tell Nineveh that God was going to destroy all of Nineveh? Because God's message to Nineveh was not repent or else I'll destroy you. His message was I'm going to destroy you. And so when Jonah said, no, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh and tell them you're going to destroy them. The real reason was because he knew God. And he knew that if he preached such a dire message... Those people would probably come under the fear of God and they would probably repent from their evil ways and then God would show mercy. That's what Jonah knew about God. Then Jonah's left standing there looking like a false prophet. I thought you said God was going to judge us. I did. That's what he told me to tell you. But then you all started repenting. Then you all started to turn your eyes to him. You all began to humble yourself. Hallelujah. And that's why Jonah didn't want Nineveh to hear the message at all. He didn't want his own name to be tarnished. Because in the Old Testament, if a prophet prophesied something that didn't come to pass, you were not to revere that prophet. So when Jesus steps into the New Testament and says, the sign that shall be given to this generation is the sign of the prophet Jonah. It was him validating the ministry of the prophet Jonah. That even though Jonah stood up before Nineveh and said the Lord is going to destroy you. And then the Lord didn't destroy them because they called a solemn fast. Because they humbled themselves. Because they turned their eyes unto the Lord. The Lord was letting everybody know that Jonah heard from God. And he did, in fact, prophesy what the Lord had told him to prophesy. But the Lord prepared a great fish. The Lord prepared a great fish. Not devil. Not, not circumstances beyond Jonah's control. The Lord prepared a great fish. There are many times where we come into challenges of our life that are of our own making. And we fall into the judgment of God. And the judgment of God comes to us and it comes to us with a fierceness and it comes to us with a ferocity. And there's some things that are a trial of life, a test of our faith. And the apostle Peter began to tell us the difference in his epistle to the Hebrews. He said, listen, there are some challenges that come into your life that are a test of your faith. They're going to grow you. They're going to be something that will make you better than what you were before you went through them. But there are going to be other challenges that come your way. That are from the, the devil. They're an attack on you. And the Lord will protect you. And the Lord will keep you. But there are some things that are of your own doing. There are some things in your life that are a result of your own sin. These are the scary ones. These are the frightening ones. The ones where we are in a position of having 
received the judgment of God in our life. And that's where Jonah was. Jonah was being judged by God. The Lord prepared a great fish and swallowed up Jonah. What do you do when you have disobeyed God and the Lord has now turned his judgment toward you? What do you do when your life has been a life of, of rebellion to the Lord and now the Lord has turned his judgment toward you? What do you do when you're swallowed by a fish the Lord prepared for you? Who do you call on when you're swallowed by circumstances that God has allowed and that God directed and that God prepared because of the sin of our own life? I would be dishonest if I told you today, as I already have, that I have been a perfect individual. I have been here and, and standing before you simply by the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. But when you come into a position where God exacts his judgment upon you, you do what Jonah did. You call upon the Lord from the whale's belly. He said, out of the fish's belly, I cried unto the Lord. Out of the fish's belly, I cried unto the Lord. My soul had fainted within me. He described being taken down to the bottoms of the mountains. He described the bars of the earth compassing him about. He said, out of the belly of hell, I cried unto God. And when he cried unto God from the belly of hell, the Lord heard his cry. When he cried unto God from the deepest, most difficult circumstances of his life, God heard his cry. Let me tell you something about the judgment of God. Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So even when you are in the most dire of circumstances, you've always got the opportunity to pray unto the Lord. I don't know what you've gotten yourself into. I don't know what circumstances have developed that are outside of your control. But I believe there are people in this house this morning that have become involved in some set of circumstances you don't think you can get out of. Something that you know you had a part in getting yourself into. Something that you are afraid will never end, will never get better because you know the role you played in developing them. But I've come to tell you that your God, hallelujah, even in the face of his own judgment of your sins, will hear your cry and answer your prayer. Hallelujah. Even your God, the one, the same God who prepared the fish, the same God who pronounced judgment upon your sin, that God will hear your cry. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says that when Jonah was in the belly of that fish, he cried unto the Lord. He said, Lord, I remember you and I turn my eyes unto you. I call upon you. Don't sit in that fish's belly accepting the circumstances that have developed. Cry unto the Lord. Call out unto the Lord. Don't sit there arrogantly defending your case, defending yourself, trying to justify yourself before God. Cry unto the Lord. Humble yourself before God. And the Bible says that the Lord spake unto the fish. And that the fish, I'm going to try to say this delicately. I, I don't want to be crude. But the Bible says the fish vomited Jonah out onto dry land. I'll just tell you what the Bible says. I, I'm not one of those preachers that likes to like gross people out. I mean, I don't want to like paint such a vivid picture. That, you know, it's going to mess with your red lobster uh, lunch today. I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to do that. I, but I will tell you, if, if you're a human being, you know what it's like for something to disagree with you. And, and it's maybe something inside of the thing you ate. God forbid anybody would experience food poisoning. One of the worst experiences a human being could experience is for them to ingest something and then halfway through the digestive process, it begins to rage against you and tell you you made a big mistake by ingesting this item and this is going to disagree with you and in fact it's not even going to make it down it's going to come back up and, and when it comes back up it's not nearly as appetizing as what it was when it went down 
and, and, and this is what happened with Jonah. Jonah swallowed the great fish and the Lord began to speak to the fish. And I can relate to the fish. There's some things the Lord says to me. I don't receive them as a, as a word or even an audible word. I get them more as kind of a nausea. Almost, it, it makes me queasy sometimes. And the Lord spoke to the fish and said, you're going to have to swallow, vomit Jonah up onto dry land. Let me tell you what irritates the whale that could swallow you. Let me tell you what irritates the digestive system of the judgment of God that has swallowed you. Some of you are in the middle of a, of a process you don't know how you got yourself into. All you know is that you weren't interested in serving God. You weren't interested in living for God. You weren't interested in turning your eyes to the Lord religion had wounded you people who claimed to be religious had scarred you people who claimed to follow Jesus did not represent Jesus well and it gave you a bad taste in your mouth concerning the things of God so you ran the other way and God has dealt with you called to you but you've rejected him you've resisted him you said I want nothing to do with him and you've ended up in circumstances that you cannot control or contain and I'm going to tell you the only way out of them is to practice what Jonah practiced the first thing he did was he humbled himself he humbled himself before the Lord. Hallelujah. When you humble yourself before the Lord, there is nothing that will reverse the judgment of God like humbling yourself before God. There's nothing in this world that will turn your circumstances. It looked like the process was underway. You were on your way into an abyss of judgment and wrath. You were on your way into a devil's hell, if you please. You were on on your way out but when you humble yourself nothing will reverse that process like humility before the Lord I don't know where you are what you did what you're afraid of what you think could be coming down the road God brought you here this morning to tell you if you humble yourself before God he can reverse that process I know the normal, natural process. You've seen a hundred people get into these same circumstances. And it's a normal, natural, digestive process that results in their death. That results in their absolute annihilation. But if you humble yourself like Jonah, Jonah's praise began to irritate the whale's belly. Jonah's humility began to irritate the whale's belly. The whale could not Hold Jonah any longer because of his humility before the Lord. This is why Jesus is standing in the temple, and there's two guys who come into the temple. One is a Pharisee, and the Pharisee makes this prayer so so beautifully made before the Lord. And he says, Lord, I thank you that I am not like other men. Like this publican, for instance. I'm not like him. This poor guy can't get life figured out. This poor guy's getting everything all mixed up and turned. I thank you that I'm not like these other men. Then Jesus looked over at the guy he was talking about. And the guy that he's talking about doesn't have fancy words. He doesn't have an elaborate prayer to pray. He doesn't know what, what people want to hear when they hear folks pray. All he can do is say, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I have sinned in my life. That's all he prayed. He didn't even say, God, forgive me. He didn't even say, I'm sorry. He simply said, Lord, I am a sinner. I am unworthy to be in your presence. I'm unworthy to stand in your heaven. Oh, I would to God that by the preaching of the word this morning, somebody's arrogance would melt off of them. I would to God that by the preaching of the word of God, somebody's ego would be crucified with Christ. Oh, I would to God in the name of Jesus that somebody could stop resisting God. Somebody could stop thinking they know better than God and could simply say, Lord, I don't even deserve to stand in your presence hallelujah humility 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 let me tell you something about God and humility the Bible says that that the Lord giveth grace to the humble but he resisteth 
the proud. I'm going to say that again because I don't know if we know how serious that is. God resisteth the proud. God resists the proud. If you're going to bring pride to God, he resists it. He puts up a wall against you. That's why Jonah was in the position he was in. God was resisting him. God was pushing against him. God was pushing against him with, with seas that were raging and winds and waves and lightning and thunder and a big whale. That's a bad day, folks. You thought seasickness was bad. You thought a, you thought a, a, a cruise ship kind of getting unwieldy was bad. Then you get tossed overboard. That's as about as bad as it can get unless a whale swallows you. This is really a bad day for Jonah. It couldn't get any worse because God was resisting the proud. But when Jonah began to cry unto the Lord out of the fish's belly, when he began to cry unto God, the Lord gave grace to the humble. Not only does humility bring the grace of God, but repentance brings the grace of God. When a person says, all right, Lord, I give up. How many remember when you told God, I give up? How many remember, Brother Brandon Jordan, remember the day that you said, Lord, I give up? I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to resist you anymore. I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. I'm trying. You know, do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that to this day, the search engines are still, the, 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 the most sought after results on search engines are what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What is the purpose? These are people trying to figure it out on their own. These are folks who have not turned unto the Lord their God, their creator. But if you turn to the Lord your God and say, I'm going to cease from my own ways. I'm going to cease from the direction that I've taken in life. And I'm going to turn unto the Lord. That's all repentance is, is turning. Repentance is no mystical magical moment repentance you're waiting for something to come on you in repentance that's that's akin to the Holy Ghost and, and, and receiving the Holy Ghost and repentance are two different things when the Holy Ghost falls on you it's like fire from heaven that fills you to overflowing when your sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ that's the atoning blood of Jesus the Lamb of God for sinners slain but when you repent all repentance is is turning from what you once were doing there's no mystical magical moment involved it's just simply saying alright God I'm not going that direction any longer I'm turning and I'm walking toward you hallelujah The Australian army to this day uses the word repent when they tell their soldiers to do an about face. They're walking in one direction, marching. But the order comes, repent. And they turn and walk in another direction, marching in another direction. Then the order comes, repent. And they begin to march in another direction. Can I tell you, if you could hear what the Spirit is saying, the Spirit is telling you, repent. You're marching in the wrong direction. Repent. You're walking in the wrong direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That whale was going to be judgment or mercy. Jonah got to decide. It was either going to be the end of his life or the beginning of his life. Jonah was able to decide. When you enter into the judgment of God, that judgment is not necessarily there to destroy you. It is positioned to save you. But without humility, without repentance, what can be mercy could also be judgment. I'm looking at the story of David. David, I, 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 many people know him. Whether you have a lot of familiarity with the scriptures or not, you may know him as, as a guy he brought down, David and Goliath. It's a forever metaphor of an underdog overcoming in impossible circumstances. David, the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. David was the sweet psalmist of Israel, the scripture says. David was a king that God positioned in such a beautiful way. 
to do his bidding and to do his work. David did so much for the Lord. It was David that gave us most of these psalms that comfort us when we are in such difficult circumstances. You know that the Lord is your shepherd because of David. You know that the Lord is your light because of David. Hallelujah. You know that the Lord is a present help in trouble because of David. David knew God. David was a man after God's own heart. And, and, and can you believe that David found himself in a position where God was about to judge him because of his grotesque sin? He had grown so separate from the things of God. He got so caught up in the trappings of his own royalty. He became arrogant and proud and egotistical and self-interested and self-focused that he forgot who brought him to where he was. And so he stands up in his ivory tower. And while he's standing there looking out over his city, his vast domain, his nation, and, and refuses to go down into battle, he got his eyes upon the wrong thing. He began to lust after Bathsheba next thing you know he's committing adultery the next thing you know he's committing murder and the Bible says that the thing displeased the Lord I know you might be a psalmist and a sweet psalmist at that but that thing displeased the Lord and you might be a king the king of Judah but that thing displeased the Lord and this city might be called the city of David but that thing displeased the Lord and you might have written all the psalms but that thing displeased the Lord and nobody is out of the reach of God's judgment when something displeases God he'll respond you know one of the things he did to respond? He did with David like he did with Nineveh. Jonah, go preach to him. This time he talked to Nathan and said, Nathan, the prophet, I need you to go speak to David. Nathan, the prophet, walks into David's throne room. Now, you've got to understand, folks, this was the king. This was the, this, he had all the power of the kingdom in his hand. And when Nathan, the prophet, goes strolling in there, he could walk out or not walk out. He could have his head decapitated. He could have his life taken. He could be executed on the spot because of what he's about to say to King David. This is what he said. He said to King David, he said, listen, there's this guy who had all these beautiful sheep. He had anything and everything that he wanted. And then there was another guy not far from him who had one lamb. The man who had many sheep went and took the lamb from the one man and had the man killed after he took the lamb from the one man. He painted it in a different picture. That's what prophecy will do. That's what the word of God will do. The word of God will get our attention in a way we couldn't perceive it before. And paint it in a certain light that we couldn't see our sin. We're so indulging of ourselves. We're so satisfying of ourselves. We're so focused on indulging in the lusts of the flesh. We don't see our sin. So the word of God comes before us and paints our sin in a different light so that we can and see it more clearly and Nathan the prophet said this is what the man did he took the one lamb it was an analogy of what David had done to Uriah David had anything and everything he wanted in the kingdom Uriah had a little life one wife and his life was good and David in the lust of his own flesh took Bathsheba killed Uriah and it displeased God and when David heard the injustice of this hypothetical man and this hypothetical man with a little lamb who was killed and this, this, this enraged him. When he saw it from a different perspective, he saw the injustice of it and he said, who has done this? I will kill them. Nathan the prophet raised his head knowing it could be the last time he did. But he looked him square in the eye and thanked God for fearless preachers. He said, it's you. You are the man. When the word of God came to David like that, it pierced his heart. He saw his own sin. Folks, I'm going to tell you, he's at a point now where he can choose judgment or mercy. Because God ain't playing. God is saying, I've brought this word to you so you'll repent. 
And so you decide, David, what's it going to be? Judgment or mercy. But all the psalms I've written, I don't care how many psalms you've written, it's judgment or mercy time. But all the, the anointing that you poured on my head, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this has displeased me. It's judgment or mercy time. But I'm, I'm the man. I'm the man after your own heart. It's judgment or mercy time, David. And David, thank God, chose mercy. And he stopped acting like he was the man in charge. And he stopped acting like there was nothing he could do that was wrong. And he stopped acting like there was nothing that he would withhold from himself. And he stopped with the arrogance. And he stopped with the egotism. And he stopped with the pride. And he humbled himself before God. And he said, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and then sin did my mother conceive me behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom purge me with a hyssop hallelujah and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice hide thy face from my sins blot out all mine iniquities create in me a clean heart oh God and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation uphold me with thy free spirit then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee hallelujah you know what when we chose mercy instead of judgment when we chose humility instead of pride when we chose repentance instead of arrogance now God has put us in a position to teach transgressors his ways you see these people don't let the suits and ties fool you these are folks who were brought out of darkness set up on a rock these are folks who had sunk down into the deepest depths of human despair these are folks that have fallen down into the miry clay made a mess of their own life didn't know which way to go didn't know what to do the judgment of God was at hand the word of God was like a sharp two edged sword ready ready to bring judgment but a prophecy came forth a message came forth a preacher preached and a teacher taught and a singer sang and the gospel was heard and more importantly believed He said, I choose mercy. I choose mercy. Have mercy on me, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Out of the fish's belly they cried unto the Lord their God. And he heard them. And he will hear you today. I said, he will hear you today. I don't know what circumstances you're in, but I know the solution. Repent. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you're afraid of, but I know I can tell you right now the answer. Repent. I don't know who you hurt. I don't know what you did, but here's the answer to it. Repent. I don't know what kind of a sentence you're looking at. I don't know what barrel of what rifle you're staring down, but I can tell you right now, wherever you are, whatever you're involved with, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Repent. 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 And the Lord your God will step into your circumstances even if he allowed them. Even if he prepared the great fish that has swallowed you whole he will speak to that fish and he will command that fish to release you he will speak to that prison and he'll command that prison to release you. He will speak to those circumstances and command those circumstances to release you. He will speak to that bondage and command that bondage to release you. He will speak in Jesus' name and command those
those things to release you. I wonder if somebody could cry out right now from wherever you are. Unto the Lord. Unto the Lord your God. Unto the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our hands and voices unto the Lord right now. Let's lift up our hands and voices unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's somebody who remembers when Jesus stepped in. I wonder if you could stand to your feet right now and say, he brought me out. He lifted me up. Can I get a witness in the house of God this morning of somebody who can recall when you didn't know which way to go? Your disobedience, hallelujah, your indiscretions had sent you into a spiral, but you turned to the Lord. You cried unto God out of the fish's belly. You cried. Pride unto God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, pastor, you don't know. You don't know how far gone this process is. You just don't know. I mean, I am, I am constrained by the pressures of this fish's belly. All of the natural processes are underway. I know that I will be dead shortly. You don't understand what they've got on me, Pastor. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how bad it has become. I'm going to tell you right now. It ain't any worse than where Jonah was. You're nowhere near as far gone as Jonah was. Lord, Speak to this fish. Speak to this fish. Speak to this thing that has swallowed my family. Speak to it, Lord. Speak to this thing that has swallowed my marriage. Speak to it, Lord. Speak to this thing that has swallowed my peace and my joy. Speak, Lord. I call unto you. Out of the fish's belly, I call unto you from the deep, the deep, the deep miry clay. If that's you today, I want you to let the Lord minister to you right now. Huh. Jesus, just lift up your hands right now. Just lift up your hands right now. That's it. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister to you right now.